All right, Kiss Army. Welcome to the Kiss FAQ Podcast. Thank you for giving us your time today. Nothing is into your head. I hope you don't do any damage. This is a Kiss-related podcast by the board for the board. We hope that you enjoy. Welcome to episode 136 of the Kiss FAQ Podcast. I'm your host today, Julian Gill, admin on the FAQ Message Board, and I am joined by Marcus Almighty. Mark? Greetings. St. Louis Kiss, Lonnie? Hello. And the voice of reason, 69th Blizzard, Ken. Hello. You know, last week we uh, we took the week off because it's summer and we can, and Nigel, who was on the first ever Kiss FAQ Podcast, was out in the area, so we went record shopping. So um, thank you for your patience while we had some fun outside of the digital realm. Let's get into some news. And that is, I did announce Danger Zone. 30th anniversary of Crazy Nights. KissDangerZone.com is kind of my new project. I've got enough interviews in the can now to do a week's worth of um, features on the 30th anniversary of what was my first brand new Kiss album. I didn't see myself doing anything about Crazy Nights. It's one of those albums that usually falls pretty far down. Most fans' favorite album list well, yeah. d- down there with The Elder and Hot in the Shade and probably Peter Chris's solo album. So I kind of surprised myself suddenly thinking, well, it's kind of special to me since it was the first time I ever bought. So come September, I'll have a bunch of interviews with people who were involved in the making of that album. Still got a lot of requests out there for more people, which hopefully will get done. And the response I've seen to my postings is book. No. Right now, it's only about doing a web feature. Um, if it ever does get to be good enough to be that, then maybe it will, maybe it won't. Um, the other thing I've seen mentioned is Paul Stanley and Gene Simmons. Um, well, they haven't participated in anything I've asked them to before, so I would not be holding <laughs> your breath. However, Paul and Gene, if you are interested, I'll be on a plane to L.A. tomorrow, happily. So you never know what's going to happen. We've got plenty of time until September the 21st, which is the anniversary. A couple other news items. Paul Stanley. A new album is becoming more enticing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, what's the business model? (laughs) Um, Other other than that, all I got to say is, Paul. Yeah, go do it. I'll, I'll take another Kiss album any day of the week. What Kiss fan won't? Well, there's mm-hmm. probably one or two miserable bastards who say, no, don't bother. But uh, maybe they need to go listen to Sonic Boom and some of those new Kiss classic anthems. Other than that, uh, what's going on? Uh, new Gene Simmons book announced. On Power by Gene Simmons. Pre-order today. November 14th comes out. Yeah, and I, I posted nice. in a thread on that. I don't know what the hell it is. It sounds like uh, the rewriting of The Art of War, which was, I think, scheduled a few years ago and disappeared. I don't know. So mm. that that's a oh. book on war and domination and whatnot. Mark, you know something? And, and uh, I have something to announce, too, if you don't mind. So um, look, last week, I think it was, I did a an update on my site about the project Gemini pre-order going on that will be coming on for the vinyl. Um, and I said, it's going to be the 16th of August because I'm not expecting to get anything. And I'm supposed to uh, do my signing of the vinyl flats 
and give it back to him, and I'm not supposed to get those for a couple of weeks. But, much to my surprise, someone came and knocking on my door the other day and dropped me off the vinyl flats. So, I already have them now. And, That's good. And I'm going to be numbering them and signing them right here at the bottom. So everyone will get a numbered and signed copy of it. It looks absolutely fantastic. I'm very pleased with it. And because it's come so early now, I think I'm going to be able to push up the pre-order date. Now, I'll officially do that once I've given it back to him because I've already signed 50 of them already. I'm sure it'll just take me the rest of the evening to do the remaining 50, and I'll bring it back to him on t- tomorrow afternoon and then... He says if I bring it back to him, then I should get it in a week's time. So if that's true, then I'll probably bump up the pre-order time. So just wanted to let everybody know who is looking to get it. So, so is there going to be, well, yeah, quick question. Is there going to be an order form in there? So if I want to get the belt buckle? Oh, very nice. <laughs> <laughs> um, n- none of those, but there will be the poster for the first 50, as oh, I mentioned awesome. before. So that will be on there. Plus, I've got a, a hype sticker being made, too, so I'm going full shabam with this. So so if you're signing them and sending them back, is he going to seal them with the record inside so it's going to be completely, you know? Yeah. Wow, that's cool. you got to get yourself a Teespring, a Teespring campaign going so you can have Pro- Project Gemini mugs, mouse pads, pillows, yep. T-shirts. That's, that's next I'm going to be looking into doing is I want to do that because people have been bugging me for T-shirts left, right, and center. What are the T-shirts? What are the T-shirts? Some guy's been asking about toques because he said, oh, winter will be here in Canada soon enough. Will we have any Project Gemini toques? I'm like, well, I don't know. I'll have to see how much. What the hell is that toque? The winter hats, you know? <laughs> oh, okay. Go. It must be a Canadian thing. Yeah, thank, yeah, thank you, thank you, Lonnie, for taking one for the team to find out what the hell that was. We can call those like bandit masks here. It's here. it's those winter hats, you know, like the wool knit hats. Yeah. Lots. That's that's how lots of Canadian guys. I'm, I have a destroyer one, one and yeah. stuff like that. I got to kiss kiss one like that too. So. All right, so very I th- hip in Canada. I thought of a like a new segment that we can do as an intro to the show before we get into our main topic, and because it's all ninja shit, and I haven't told it to any of you guys, it's uh, you know, pick a topic from the board that caught your interest today, and uh, it's only me today. So um, a good th- a good thread I recommend you reading is what I learned playing in a Kiss tribute band. Oh, yeah. Great thread. Um, I, I don't know if you guys have read it. It's an interesting perspective, and I'm going to leave it there because I, I thought it was really, well, it was an interesting perspective. So go check it out on the FAQ message board. Let's get into today's topic, which is Escape to the Island. And in essence, what we're going to do today is talk about our Desert Island discs. What three albums and three videos would we take with us to be stranded on a desert island. So uh, we're not going to pay the BBC any royalties for this topic, but uh, my response to this initially was, fuck, how the hell do I pick three of either? It's absolutely brutal, so I'd just like to thank you for coming up with the topic, and I'm looking at you. (laughs) I'm sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Because I've I've been going throughout my place today looking at albums, looking at videos, and I've tried to just stick with the ones that I actually own rather than going on Amazon and saying, well, if I was to go oh, on a desert yeah. I- 
if you ended up on a desert island, I figured you wouldn't plan for that, would you? That's no. How, you, you're kind you of have like, a drone delivery or something. Like. You, you're going out for that four-hour <laughs> tour on the SS Minnow and ending up with, you know, hopefully... Um, Gilligan. Well, hopefully not, but hopefully Marianne <laughs> and uh, some, of your, yeah. some of your records and videos. So, uh, Ken, I'm going to kick it off to you for your first pick and maybe to explain a little bit more about your uh, reasoning. My reason? Yeah, um... I don't know. I don't know how I came up with it. I guess, I, you know, there's those topics of desert island discs and stuff like that. And I started thinking of, you know, what, what albums or, you know, what I really want to have with me or that I could listen to, you know, over and over again and what are special to me and so on. Um, uh, and the other thing about this topic, which you didn't mention, is you can only pick one Kiss album out of the three. Uh, and then one kiss video out of the three. So the other two are going to be some other artists or artists and, uh, the, the movie or videos, I guess it could be a movie too. It doesn't necessarily have to be music video. It could be a music video or a concert or whatever, bootleg, whatever. So I think we'll start. I don't know. Do you want to start with the kiss or do you want to start with, uh, I, I, you wanna, yeah, I, I think for each of us, whichever order you want to go, I think what's cool about this uh, for our listeners is anyone who's watched the show for a, a period of time, it'll give you a little bit more insight into us as you know people with musical taste or not, depending on your perspective. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, Ken, exactly. Ken, why don't you pick whichever one you want to go for, and we can mix them up, go video, go audio, it doesn't matter, yeah, as long as you get your three choices in there. Okay, um... I'll start with uh, I'll start with video first, um, and kind of I guess a third pick. Uh, I'm gonna go with uh, a video. I'm gonna go with the Dark Knight <laughs> the movie. Actually, uh, I'm a big Batman fan, so that you know, and that, that's the best out of that trilogy. Um, so I'm gonna go with the Dark Knight. Because uh, I can I can watch that thing over and over again. It's always enjoyable to me. I mean, there's a ton of movies out there. It's enjoyable, but that that's the one I would I'm gonna pick to take along so I can watch that. So what makes that better than any of the ones that came out in the '80s, like uh, like Michael Keaton? Well, and yeah, I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm thinking Nicholson and the Joker. It was great. Now '89 when that came out, it was the first real Batman film that came out in. And, uh, and it was the, it was great. It was great. It was dark and, you know, brooding kind of thing, and which is totally opposite of the, you know, the 66, uh, TV series with Adam West. So, which I, that's how I got hooked on the band when I was a kid. So, um, yeah, I was just the kind of Batman I liked is more of the darker kind of Batman. Though I do like the, you know, the old, watch the old stuff. Uh, comedy stuff, but the, the the dark and brooding stuff is good. But comparing the '89 and then they kind of did some other crazy stuff. Eh, you know, it started getting out of hand there when it got to Batman and Robin. But so when the, you know <laughs> the other trilogy came, it was back to the the dark and the better follow the story better, like the real you know the comic books. Um, and uh, so the Dark Knight though was just. Should have been the Academy Award winner, in my opinion. Cool. 
Okay, well, you got to live with it on the island. I don't. Lonnie. <laughs> I'm going to go with, I'm going to start with albums. And I'm going to start with Appetite for Destruction would definitely be on my three albums. I knew that. That I would have to have because it is from cover to cover. Maybe the maybe maybe even in my opinion the best album of all time. It's absolutely incredible, start to finish. I've loved it since I got it when I was five. I don't know, eight or nine years old. I guess <laughs> you know. Um, had to take my dad. My dad had to buy it when we went to Best Buy because it had an advisory sticker on it. <laughs> you know. <laughs> Thanks, Tim. Yeah, because I was eight or nine years old. He didn't he didn't go crap. And um and it and and it's just it just has a very special place to me because it might have been it might have been the first album I ever bought with my own money. And and it was actually and it was actually I got it on cassette because I think about it, it's like 1988, 89 CDs really hadn't hadn't really hit the Midwest, I guess, even at, at that point. So and we didn't know what a CD was at that point. Um, so, I mean, it was, it, it was big deal. I mean, and, and it still is a big deal to me. And they're my second favorite band, obviously behind Kiss. And it's just classic from start to finish. I can't say enough good things about it. Okay. Well, I can. And I, I got to ask you, you went to the show. I went Thursday recently. night. Recently, I've got tic- I've got tickets to Oakland. Good for you. In November, seriously, I, I I bit the bullet and I even got ones that are hopefully not as shit as the ones that I had for Ghost and Iron Maiden. So I'll actually get to actually see it and hear it rather than um, kind of just imagine I'm hearing it. Um, I wanted to ask you when you went to see Guns N' Roses in St. Louis, and of course this is a, that was their first time back in there. In that mm-hmm. city, right? Since they mm-hmm. caused a little bit of a riot, was it? A little it? bit of disturbance. Yes. Uh, <laughs> compared to Kiss, is that how the big boys do it? Who are the big boys? Is it <laughs> is it Guns N' Roses, or is it your most recent experience with Kiss? My my most recent experience with Kiss was Vegas in 14. Mm-hmm. And it was very well done. And it you know, it what I mean, and it's it is picture perfect. Just watch Kiss Rocks Vegas because it, it's the exact show that that you saw. I mean, yep. it's it's and it, it was fantastic. Yeah, just like you know, we, when when uh, when uh Kiss Rocks Vegas came out here, I, I sung its praises. I thought it was fantastic because it was a it was a carbon copy of the two shows that I saw in Vegas. Agreed. And, and it's great, and it's and it's a production. I mean it. Seeing that, seeing Kiss as many times as I've seen them, Kiss is really a is a production, and it Guns N' Roses was that Guns N' Roses played three and a half hours. Usually, if you go see a, a show and the headliner plays an hour and a half, okay, that's good. Plays two hours, you walk around like, wow, they played two hours. They played three and a half. They're, he's 52 years old. They're not, you know, that young anymore. I mean, Grant, you know, they're younger than Kiss, but they're not that young anymore that they're up there that long. 
and he was on stage. And, you know, he's, he still has multiple T-shirts that he wears during the show. You know, he must have changed shirts ten times probably during the course of the show. And that's, and that's always been the case. He's always done that. Yeah. Um, but he was on stage, I'd say, 85 to 90% of the time. Sure, Slash had a guitar solo. Sure, Duff sang Attitude about ten songs in and had his little moment. But he was on stage. Axel was on stage 85 to 90% of the time. And they played, and they played, and they played. And he didn't go on these rants like he used to back in the day, like a 10-minute piss, pissing contest about <laughs> what he was pissed off about that day. Um, and everybody was anticipating, what's he going to say? What's he going to say about the riot? What's he going to say? And he didn't say anything. He just came out and, and kicked ass. And about the third time, about the third song in, he goes, oh, it's good to be back here, you know. And then they go into the next song. <laughs> he just didn't. He just didn't really say anything. And at the end, he said, uh, after they, after Paradise City, he throws out his microphone. They take your final bow, and he goes to a stage mic, and he goes, "It's really great to be back here. Hopefully, it's not so long before we're back again. Thank you so much." And, and he, and you could tell he was genuinely, you know, happy to be back. Um. But is it how the big boys do it? Three and a half hours? I mean, those the tickets weren't cheap. The tickets were not cheap. But you did get your money's worth with that band oh, yeah. playing that long. It's like, it's like Springsteen. He does like three oh, and a half hours. I was going yeah. yeah. to say that. Springsteen was so fucking boring. Playing so yeah. much stuff that I didn't know that I left Oakland Arena went walking around you know, the and, neighborhood. Because it just no, sucked ass so bad. You know, there's not the pyro that Kiss has. I mean, there there was pyro during certain songs, but that's never what that's never what they were about. They'd have pyro, you know, here and there, like during Chinese Action. I think there was pyro. There was pyro during Paradise City, and there was confetti during Paradise City, and things like that. But it was just awesome. They're like I mean, a more of like a band band, like a jamming kind of. They can stretch yeah. their songs a bit, you know. They're like they played the 31 songs. Ultimate bar band. Uh, which, if you, if you think of their kind of their past yeah. and the stuff they did in the yeah. '80s, then you know they're they're not trying to be anything more. Lonnie, I, before we get back to the Kiss FAQ podcast, sure. Um, I knew we were, I knew this was going to happen today. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What's your song? What's your one GNR song? Because uh, that that just made your day when they played it. I've really been following it. I'm I'm a and I've said it on the show a bunch of times. I'm a really Really big Guns N' Roses fan. Um, you know, I went to Kansas City and saw. I went and saw basically the same show, almost the same show in Kansas City last year, just because they weren't coming here and we wanted to go see him because it was such a big deal. But my Guns N' Roses song that gets me going is Night Train. When they they um, they blow like this big train whistle before they go into it, and it's just a great jam of a song. I mean, it just the, the feeling of that song. And and that riff is and him singing gets me every single time. Nice. Um, but al- but also to hear him singing "Knock It On Heaven's Door" in St. Louis and listen to that crowd sing "Knock It On Heaven." I know it's not a Guns N' Roses song. It's a Bob. I know understand it's a Bob Dylan song. Yeah. But they've really kind of adopted it as their own for the last 25 years. And a lot of young people probably think it is a Guns N' Roses song. It's probably the only version they've ever heard. Um, but to hear him singing that and St. Louis being in St. Louis, having them sing it back to him back and forth gave me goosebumps. Nice. 
Well, I'm looking yeah. forward to when I get a chance to see you'll, the show. You'll love it. You know, I, I wasn't planning on doing too many more concerts this year, but uh, it's one of those things. I miss them in the 80s and 90s. I, I want to hear, you know, for me, it's going to be, I want to hear Estranged, Coma, Civil yeah. War, and Jungle. And I'll be a happy guy, and I think all of those are in the set list. You'll, so You'll hear them all. All right. Well, Mark. Back to the Pacific, you back. Yeah. Thanks, Lonnie. That was a great, great story about that. Okay. So, um, I guess I'll do video. Okay. So, for me, if I'm going to get stuck on a desert island somewhere, knowing my background, being a Canadian, there has to be one thing that has to be packed with me at all times to bring just in case something happens like that so I can watch it forever and that is Rush R40 live. Now, sure, you could pick exit stage left. You could pick, you know, lots of, of videos that came out from that time. But with this, you have the benefit of at least one or two songs from every album that they've done over the 40 years. So you can have something from every part of their career and when you asked Lonnie about the big boys fit there with Guns N' Roses, there is no doubt in my mind that Marcus this is a total, this is a total big boys moment here. I mean, you're talking about a band that played two sets, you know, pretty long sets, and had roadies running around on stage changing the set as they played to give you different vibes from the 90s, 80s, 70s, and ending on the encore when they had, you know, Eugene Levy come out impersonating a 70s sort of television guy doing those, you know, those kind of hip, you know, midnight TV shows there and having them come out and pretending that Rush was a very new band and it looked like they were playing in a gymnasium. Like, that is the kind of show that I enjoyed seeing. Like, they went to the nines for this. Like, they, you know, it looked like, a school gymnasium so they give you that vibe of the early 70s when they first started and stuff like that and when they were playing the middle period of 2112 they had like nothing but Marshall stacks all in the back and the, the disco ball going and stuff so you know they really went all out to give you that feeling did they of, have kimonos uh no they they, they, they <laughs> didn't right. but they, they really should have that would have that would have really would made have everybody's day but they showed like imagery of it on the screens too right? right so and they brought up the old double necks too like from the 70s so it was really cool i mean you know you it, i i i feel pity for people who didn't get a chance to see that because it was really a well done show you thanks. know thanks and for reminding me it's <laughs> pities us <laughs> but i mean you know it's it's i'm glad they have it on video and blu-ray and that i mean people can see it and it's really excellent footage on there too so you can see it anytime you want to on your whole video system and it's a really great show i mean i i really enjoyed it and it makes me proud to be a rush fan and if i was stuck somewhere in a desert island i would definitely want to have this with me to keep me company yeah i think in one of the things about how the big boys do it how they did it going back that they bring back these stages they end up back in like like you say, like they're playing in a gymnasium, and yes, that is a big mm -hmm. word, Gene. Um, that Kiss could do something so similar. You know, think of the Crazy Nights, the the metal grate that goes around the drums. 
you know, going mm-hmm. back to Dynasty, the just the little like mirror turret that the drums on, down to uh, Midnight Special, that stage, they could so easily do something similar that takes you in a, on a trip back in time. And Rush also, they ended up with like what did they do like. Uh, four bars of a garden path or a garden party. Or yeah, yeah. One of the really garden early songs. Yeah, Garden Road. Thank you. You know, that didn't make yeah. the first album. Um, but that was part of the first four songs that they recorded as a demo, you know, to mm-hmm. end it. You know, what an exclamation to a band's career to kind of do it. That would be like Kiss going back and just like finishing with a bit of Acrobat, you mm-hmm. know, being, being the closest thing I could think of off the top of my head. So. Yeah, so the biggest copycat band. Why not do it? <laughs> they follow trends for years. So don't get me wrong. I mean, we do a Kiss podcast every week. I love them, but they've they've, they've been trend followers for years. So why not do it? You know, do, if, do yeah, what Rush did. You know, if they're going to copy trends, copy the good ones. They've copied yeah. Slippery When Wet. We were talking about Crazy Nights at the top of the show. Um, why not copy Rush on how to put together a show that encompasses all eras of Kiss? without necessarily having to invite Vinny to the party. (laughs) Sounds like a win-win to me. All right, I'm going to get into my first one. I'm going to go audio. And uh, Aerosmith, Greatest Hits. This one's actually from Austria, so it's got like 17 songs in it. It's not that that 1980 version that had 10 songs that sold 20 billion copies. This is like way down. It's got uh, lightning strikes on it. Chip away the stone. Um, the 1991 Sweet Emotion. One Way Street Live. It, it's got all the classic 70s Aerosmith. And, you know, I was looking through my Aerosmith compilation saying, I got to have Aerosmith in my pick other than picking Rocks or Done With Mirrors, which are my two kind of favorite albums from the different eras of the band. And I, I looked at Young Lust. I was like, okay, I'm, that was my first pick. And then I looked at the track listing. And I was like, oh, fuck it. Forgot the uh, 70s because that's the Geffen years. So this one is the one that most people have, at least a version. Um, so Aerosmith, I'm going to the island with some fucking Steven Tyler and Joe Perry, Toxic Twins. Ken, let's go back to you for your next one. Nice. nice. Uh, well, I guess I'll go to an album here. Uh, this is, I'm going to go with, uh, my Linda Ronstadt album, Heart Like a Wheel. Um, I remember going to the store with my mother, I think it was probably Target or something like that, but I was like, oh, I know that song, you know, you're no good. And I was like, man, I really like that song. And she ended up buying it for me. So, um, but this album, I can listen to this from front to back you know, easily every time. Uh, yes, it's it's totally different than Kiss. Yes, it's 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 countryish, country rock, rock, pop, little mixture. Um, but Linda Ronstadt has a way of taking songs that she doesn't write and make them, you know, her own. Um, and this is a, just a special album to me that I listened to when I was young, around probably 74, 75. Uh, I had, I originally got it. And, you know, songs like Me, You're, You're No Good. And like I said, Heart Like a Wheel. I mean, Faithless Love. There's just songs you probably don't know and never heard, but they're, they're just so darn good. 
uh, When Will I Be Loved, which was another hit. Um, and a song, Lowell George, if you know who Little Feet is, and uh, he was from the, yeah, um, has Willin', which is just a fantastic song. Um, the whole thing's good and, and well produced. The sound of it is fantastic. Um, you know, Peter Asher produced most of Linda's stuff back in the 70s, and it's just, I, I, you know, I, I could have picked uh, another Linda Ronstadt. I could have picked Greatest Hits. Um, but this one's kind of special to me because, to me, it's like a greatest hits because I just love every song on it and it's just, you, just fantastic. You know what though? Just to give it a, an even more element of coolness to it, if I'm not mistaken, Van Halen covered "You're No Good" on Van Halen too. They, they did. Yeah. They covered hers. Yeah, they. That's the first song on Van Halen too. "You're No yeah. Good," their own take on it, um, which was a kind of a shock from. Where I listened to this one so many times, it was a, a total shock that they even did that. But uh, yeah, it's a good song. And wasn't she singing backing vocals on a lot of Neil Young stuff in the early 70s? She did backing vocals on uh, Neil Young stuff. She did the trio stuff with Dolly Parton and you know Amy Lou Harris. Uh, she also sang background on you know the Graceland's uh, Paul Simon's Graceland mm-hmm. album. Uh, you know, she sang on one of the songs or two or songs. Um, uh, so she's, you know, so versatile. It's too bad that, you know, with her, uh, is it Parkinson's or I can't remember. MS. She has where she can't control her voice like she used to, or, you know, her voice can't remember, you know, it's just a brain, the vo- you know, voice yeah. thing, or, you know, vocal cords and, that's too bad, because, man, what a, what a beautiful voice, and, and powerful at times, too. Cool. Lonnie, let's, uh, let's try and get a kiss pick in here. Okay, I'll do it. I'll do my kiss. Yeah, since we're talking everything but kiss so far. <laughs> I'm going to go with Kiss Alive as my kiss album of choice. Because... I know I sing Revenge's praises on the show all the time, but if I'm going to be stuck with one Kiss album forever, the album that captures Kiss in their most purest form is Kiss Alive. And if I'm going to be stuck on an island forever with one Kiss album, I want to remember Kiss in what may, what may be one of their greatest perform- performances ever, and that's Kiss Alive. And I was debating on whether or not I could do it or not, but when Julian held up his Aerosmith Greatest Hits, I'm like, yep, Alive is in play, so I am going with that. Um, but it, it, it's, it's the reason why Kiss made it. It's the reason that it put Kiss on the map. It, you know, We all know the stories of how Kiss was just kind of pludging along. And people heard, oh, they're a good live band, but you know, they're just not captured well in the studio, and they put out Alive, and it just exploded. And there's a reason why, because it's so freaking good, and it captures that experience of seeing Kiss in audio form. So if I'm going to be stuck on a desert island and never going to be able to see Kiss again, I wouldn't be able to hear Kiss on Kiss Alive the way that they put it together as a souvenir of being at the show. You know, And, and we all know the track listings between Deuce and Strutter and Let Me Go Rock and Roll and Firehouse. And that live version of She with the Ace Freely solo, 100,000 Years of the Peter Chris drum solo. It's phenomenal start to finish. And if there's one, and people ask me too, well, if you were going to recommend 
a Kiss album to a new fan. Some of you, know, a lot of guys say, well, listen to Double Platinum because it has you know, a lot of classic songs on there from the original six albums. I always say Kiss Alive because Kiss to me has always been a live band and a live experience. And of all the live albums, Alive 2 and 3 and in Vegas or whatever, that one is the one that captures them in their most, you know, we know it's all touched up, but it, it captures them in their most pure form and their most hungry form. So, if there's a Kiss album that I'm going to be stuck with, and only one forever, there's no question it's Kiss Alive. Yeah, well, that's my that was my pick as well as far as the <laughs> the albums go. Except I I kind of one up to you because I kept the uh, Kiss Alive 1975 to 2000 box set. No, that's cheap. That's shit. Because, and, and I I, I kind of said it, it's totally cheating. If I've got to have that one, totally if I if I got to have one Kiss album, no one said. That I can't have my box set, and then I can have everything, yeah. a little bit of That's every right. era of Kiss. Well, I just take Kisteria with makes that has fucking everything in it. Well, because your boat would sink. <laughs> there you go. But, you know, I, I totally agree with you that, you know, Kiss Alive is Kiss at its most primal, at its most basic, mm-hmm. at its most definitive, which is, you know, if I'm not allowed to have the Alive box set, um, you know, give me that album as well, because. When you think of Kiss, that really represents it the best, and it's never been matched. Kiss Alive 2 doesn't go anywhere near sounding as great as that album. Alive 3, nowhere near, and we won't talk about the Millennium Show, even though I think it gets a little bit of a bad rap, because it does represent them very well for what they were at that time. So, Lonnie, I'm with you. We've got the same album. If we're on the same island, we're going to fight over it. I get alive today. (laughs) So, Mark, let's move on to you and a, and a pick. And you don't have to do a kiss one. You can do something else since we've done two in a row. Okay, well, but I'm going to do an album. And, of course, I had the same thought process as you guys when it came to Alive. Because, you know, the what Lonnie said is 100% correct, you know. If you're going to be stuck on an island, you want to be stuck with as much stuff as you can and as much good stuff as you can. And... Kiss Alive, obviously, is the record that has all that and more, right? It's a live experience and, you know, people love it to death. But for me, I decided, okay, since I knew at least one or two of you would have picked it, it would have made no sense for me to pick that as well. But I picked a record that means a lot to me, that I have great memories from just listening to it in many places in the world, and I I love listening to it. It's my favorite album of all time, and it's Destroyer. Rock and roll, <laughs> rock, rock and roll, roll over. over. Yeah. Yeah. And I would make sure to pack my <clears throat> Japanese version of it to make sure I have the best fidelity possible of it. And, uh, you know, I this record, I've talked about it numerous times on numerous episodes. You know, when I was in Portugal, I had only this and Deep Purple's uh, Live in Japan to listen mm-hmm. to. And, you know, listening to those two records for a week, solid really etched them into your brain and I never got sick of this record. I can still listen to this record any day of the week, top to bottom, never lift the needle off ever or skip the CD. Uh, th- this to me is their studio pinnacle in my eyes, the best thing they've ever done in studio. And I think the writing is top notch. Sure. There's a couple songs that are a little bit not as good, but I still love all of them on here and I wouldn't have this record any other way than this. And this would be one of those records I would put a smile on my face on a desert island 
and that's what you kind of need. You need something that's going to cheer you up while you're waiting for these uh, lazy naval people to come pick you up off the island, right? So this is the one I would pick with me, waiting for the Coast Guard, because we know that they ain't the fastest people in the world. Nice choice. Ken? Yeah, that was a good pick. I mean, that almost made my list, Mark. That one was... (laughs) You know that that was that was almost it. So um, I'll go to a Kiss one again. I'm gonna go with another vinyl. Um, so this my vinyl one vinyl that I'm gonna take for Kiss is is uh, double platinum. And uh, for the reasons of it's one of the first ones I got. It could have been it could have been the second album I bought after Live Two when I first bought a Live Two. It's one of the first ones I got, and which then made me start buying the rest of the catalog but this had again you know we've talked about it before that i think we had that double platinum episode not too long ago um that this is probably the go-to album to to you know if if you're going to be a starting uh listening you know give it to someone who hasn't heard kiss and give them a sampling of kiss and this is a good starter um and it was you know it was a good starter for me it has all the songs from the, you know the prior albums all the way up to um, you know Love Gun, um, so it has a great sampling of the classic six albums, and uh, even though they're you know they're they mixed them and stuff like that, uh, remixed them, um, it has all the the classics on there that you know most of them they, they play in concert today are on here, so that's the one where I. I I can't miss, you know, I won't get sick of it. So, double platinum is the one. And for me, as becoming a fan in 1985, I've said it before, it was one of the first albums I got because it had so many songs on it for the price point. It was a great way to experience the catalog and many of those mixes that Sean had done with, uh, you know, Mike Stone. I think. Mike Stone. You know, have, are still the ones that are kind of etched in my head you know, or my subconscious to a certain extent. So... You know, if you're not going to go with a live, Double Platinum is probably the next best alternative in terms of representing the original era. And just think of it, you became a fan at that time. You come in and there's a live too. There's Double Platinum and Love Guns, the most recent studio album. I mean, I come in and there's Asylum and, you know, yeah, I'm I'm not complaining because that's my kiss. You know, that's just the time you don't get to choose when you become a fan of something. But to have... The kind of albums that you point out, Alive 2 and Double Platinum versus Asylum and Animalize, yeah. you know. It, They're at their pinnacle when, when Ken jumped on board. You know? Yeah, it, you know, it, it's such a wonderful thing. I'm going to jump in with my next pick before I go to you, Lonnie. And cool. uh, this might surprise some people. This uh, I actually have under video Viva Hysteria. I'm, I'm going. Oh, that's good. Oh, okay. You know, Def Leppard is probably my next favorite band or, or, or if not you know that they're high up there i didn't want to go with high and dry as an album pick because it's just two one notes in terms of representing a band's career if i'm going to be stuck watching them i want to watch this because it's got hysteria which i absolutely adore regardless of any of the criticisms that can be leveled against it in terms of comparing it with high and dry and i'm not saying pyromania because that to me never did a thing it was high and dry or hysteria for me and in in between didn't matter but what 
is so wonderful about this is that it's got the bonuses of the two, you know, dead flat bird sets, which has Good Morning Freedom, all the kind of hits that you attribute to the band, action, photograph, um, you know, it's just a great sampler of the band's career and their most important album. So if I got to watch them, I will actually take Joe singing at this time, doing, doing a very good job, actually on there um mm-hmm. I, I think my only complaints with this album is that it doesn't have steve on there but i love viv so i, I don't really have a problem overall great def leopard piece of product i wish kiss had done something similar with their vegas residency but for what it was you know as we you know you met, you talked about it lonnie we both went to the shows and kiss rocks vegas is a very excellent representation of what they did and a fantastic you know piece of work and one that i do actually still listen to so Mm -hmm. my my video pick def leppard nice very cool now lonnie we'll move on to you i'm gonna finish out my albums and i'm going with alice cooper billion dollar babies Mm, which in itself is almost like a greatest like just like Appetite is like a greatest hits Guns N' Roses album in a sense, and I chose Alive, Billion Dollar Babies is the closest thing as you're going to get to being a greatest hits Alice Cooper CD without being a greatest hits, labeled greatest hits. Um, that and it's produced by Mark's favorite producer, Bob Ezrin, which makes it even better. Uh, I don't mind this record, actually. Oh, good. Good for you. Which goes, which goes to my theory about it. Does It's not him itself. It's what it's the music that he what he does with it. And it was and it was and it wasn't his first rodeo with Alice at this point, was it? He right. he'd he, grown oh, with no. them. This is yeah, yeah. Well, he had grown with Alice from schools out, and he really. I mean, this is this is Alice's masterpiece. This and Welcome to My Nightmare are Alice's masterpieces, but. Um, but with the track listing of Hello, Hooray, Raped and Freeze and Elected, Billion Dollar Babies, Unfinished Sweet, No More Mr. Nice Guy, Generation Landside, Sick Things, Marianne, and I Love the Dead. I mean, <laughs> Alice could just get up on stage and just play that and walk off stage, in my opinion. <laughs> it's so freaking good. And I love it. It's, I was, I, became, I was, I was always a big Alice fan. I was in high school and, really put me over the top i guess in my young adulthood about 22 23 i really delved into him more he came to town and played a played a theater in st louis and i went and saw it I actually went by myself it was like the first concert i ever went to by myself and actually just enjoyed it because i'm not worried about having a date there not that I, you could get a date to go with you to an alice cooper show but you know but just there you go ken but can you rattle off that track list like I can? <laughs> um, but you can. But just to watch him on stage and his production is just was it just Alice's Alice Cooper is just as much of a production as a Kiss show is, and there's just as much theatrics, obviously, probably even more so than a Kiss show. And I've obviously I've always liked bands that are visually exciting as well. As musically, and Alice is a great representation of that. So that's a nice record. Um, it's very nice. I'm a little jealous. That's really, really nice. But if I'm going to be if, again, if I'm going to be stuck on a desert island, I'll take Billion Dollar Babies as my one and only Alice Cooper selection. That would help. Wow. You know, 
that's a great pick. I, I got to hold up my hands and say Alice Cooper and me weren't a thing until recent years. And when we were finishing up the Odyssey book, I actually uh, had to buy this album in full. Welcome to my nightmare. You know, I bought all the Ezrin produced Alice Cooper albums and actually heard them for the first time in the last few years, straight the way through, rather than the greatest hits, you know, mm -hmm. and, the, and the Lou Reed stuff. But Alice, I mean, holy shit, what what an artist and what a great job Bob did with these albums. And, you know, like you said, you know, it's a, it's a greatest hits that he can actually walk on and just do that one album. Just like Kiss. No, no. Kiss could walk on and do Destroyer, you know, in the same thing. Sure. And it might not please Mark, but uh, <laughs> in, in, in terms of what it represents for their career, you know, just think of what the album after Destroyer with Bob might have been like versus what we do get with Rock and Roll Over, which isn't to denigrate that in any way, as it's most of our favorite Kiss albums to begin with. Mark, let's go to you. Okay, I'm going to do a video. Now, most people, I'm sure, know my likings by now, the kind of stuff I like. This here, to me, if we're talking about uh, records like, let's say, Kiss Alive, which are which is like a, a high point watermark for Kiss, for example, this album, which is actually the video version of this record, so this is a video of this, to me, is... This band's alive, their high point, their watermark, and that is Yes, and this is Yes Songs. And this, to me, is really, really important video for me. I really love this band, and this has them playing, I believe it's at the Rainbow Theater in England, and this is for, on the tour for uh, Close to the Edge. So, you're talking about them at their like, like their total zenith alan white had just joined the band at this point and it's prog heaven if you like progressive rock i mean i don't i think there's maybe one song that's under four minutes on this whole thing so it's all their classic stuff starship trooper close to the edge uh you, you even have rick wakeman doing his Six Wives of King Henry VIII excerpts on organ where it starts smoking and exploding at the end there, like and and wearing that big glittery robe on stage that he would wear, you know it's just unbelievable like playing the Moog and the Mellotrons and all that and it's just if you like that kind of early 70s prog stuff that over the topness of it, this is something that you should definitely have in your collection and this is the anniversary edition of it. That came out. It also has uh, a documentary about the making of it. How Steve Howe's brother was actually the one who was video director of this. I didn't know that at the time that his brother was actually in charge of the filming of this. There's also um, a section about Steve Howe's beginnings solo record. It has a couple of videos on there as well. So there's extra stuff to it besides the regular VHS copy that came out for it. And it's 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 really good. I mean. You want to hear John Anderson hitting notes in the stratosphere? This is what you want to watch. If you want to see Chris Squire playing bass on that Rickenbacker and just like playing melodies that made Getty Lee's jaw drop to the floor, you want to watch this. You know, it's and Steve Howe with his, you know, with his ES 152 guitar and his steel lap steel guitar playing these incredible lines 
but the delay on it and just circling around and beautiful five one you want this you know it's it's everything that a progressive rock fan would love and more and if i'm going to be stuck in a desert island i want to be swept away into progressive land with this what year did that come out the the original yeah. uh, recording by the way um do well i think this came out much later. I think it came out in the 80s, I think, because obviously I don't think in 72 there was any kind of VHS tape around when this was done, right? 73. So it had to have come out a lot later. I honestly don't know when the original version of this came out, but I just know that they, this, this special edition of it came out just like a few years ago when I got this. Yes, I know Queen but, did one at the Rainbow as well, so yeah, that's... Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I got that too, and that's a that was a Christmas special, I think, that they did, and it was sort of BBC, right? So I think it was a direct transfer from the television film stock to Blu-ray now and DVD. But this was filmed by, like I said, Steve Howe's uh, brother was in charge of the filming of this, and when when it came out originally, I don't remember, but I know I was pretty young when I saw it the first time on VHS, but you know. Like I said, that was the first time I ever saw it. It was way back then. I was like, geez, like 17, 18 years old. So that was a ways back. Yeah, I was trying to think of some proggy stuff to add into my list. And, you know, I, I was looking at my collection. And apart from some Floyd, the only thing I had was Marillion, the Thieving Magpie. And, uh, you know, oh. that that is it. I'm going to do my next pick, which is a video. And if you were watching MTV in the 1980s and... You know, the story of me in 1985 starting to discover, you know, heavy metal and really get into it a lot more. What was one of the videos that you saw a lot on MTV in 1985? It would have been Running Free mm. from Iron Maiden's Live After Death. So this is the DVD because, you know what, it's, you know, as Nigel would say in Spinal Tap, it goes up to 11, man. It's yeah. It's got so much bonus stuff. Rock and Rio '85, everything that wasn't on the original '85 VHS. I gotta have some Maiden, and even though this excludes a hell of a lot of really good music that came after 1985, when I hear stuff off the first two albums, Wrathchild, Running Free, for that matter, which I, I just mentioned, I always hear Bruce's versions of these songs before. I think that that's not really the original version of the song. You know, Paul sang them originally. But this whole set, the stage show, Bruce particularly, um, Nico, that lineup is Iron Maiden for me. And you don't have Mr. Happy Dancer on, on the stage like you do nowadays. That's as good <laughs> as he is. Um, it's, it's just the, the best lineup that they ever had. Um, so that's that. But you know what's also important about that version of it? They have that documentary on there, which is a continuation from the documentary from the early years. Mm-hmm. That continues it from that era onward. And then when you buy the uh, the, the Birmingham concert that they did for the Seven somewhere uh, the Seventh Sun, it has the continuation from there in the documentary. So that's... they have these do- documentaries in there that connect from video to video to video. It's really, really well done. And, and that's, again, we get back to how the big boys do it. Iron fucking Maiden is one of the big boys. And, you know, I, I've talked about how I went to see them and Ghost in Oakland. And while all their stage shows may be a lot of backdrops and very basic, it's essentially the same building blocks. 
very much like Kiss. Iron Maiden is that you could always count on Brucey getting up on top of the amplifier thing and swinging the British flag during Trooper or, or, or whatever. You know, there, there are some elements that are just very basic to the shows. If they, you know, I can't even remember what the set list was, but Iron Maiden has remained impressive. So maybe Kiss needs to change its backdrops a little bit more, <laughs> rather than the very sparse stage, which was what I saw in Reno and what we saw in Europe. You know, there wasn't a whole lot to it. So, all right, who's next? I guess me, maybe. Yeah. Uh, I got another video. Um, my second video is uh, Billy Joel um, live at Shea Stadium. Um, which he did a, a few years ago. I have it. I, I should have pulled it out. Um, but it's, it's a great, a great collection of his whole history of music. Uh, even though, you know, he stopped recording really and writing new music or recording new music, uh, you know, what early nineties, I think. Um, it goes back to the first early stuff, you know, like, you know, of course, Piano Man, it has, uh, stuff like I don't know if you know songs like Captain Jack, uh, which is a favorite of mine, and uh, it's a great song. You got to check it out. Just just check that song out, Julian. Um, uh, you know, scenes from an Italian restaurant is this other song. You're like, what kind of title is that? But that is a great song. I'm it's thinking I'm thinking of, The Godfather actually and uh, Michael Corleone. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's it's off The Stranger, <laughs> probably his most famous album, The Stranger, right? Which had only the good die young and you know she's only a woman, always a woman to me and and so on. Um, but it has a great just great selection of all the hits and all the cool stuff and and it's done well with his band live. Um, and then I think at, towards the end of the concert he has some guests you know, like McCartney. Uh, joins him on stage and now talk about name dropping yeah i know <laughs> that's a big drop uh but it's it's just a great i've always been a been uh been a big billy joel fan going way back too and if i if i'm not going to choose one of his albums then i'm going to pick a video so i can get this uh, you know get his music that way i've only ever owned one billy joel album and that was glass houses so well that was a good album and the only other song I can think of off the top of my head is We Didn't Start the Fire, or whatever it was. Nope, that was not. <laughs> All right, Lonnie, talk is down. I'm going to go with, obviously I'm going to go with the videos I've done on my albums. And I'm going to go with a Kiss video, and that is The Second Coming. Because, and I know it's, well, it's not a concert video, but it's a, it's a documentary video. But it's a documentary of... One of the greatest times ever to be a Kiss fan. And it, no matter when I watch it, it always makes me smile and it always puts me in a good mood watching that to remember how magical that time period was when my favorite band became the biggest band in the world again. And my favorite band became the band that everybody want, all of a sudden wanted to go see. Right. You know, the the band that I was made fun of for for liking in the early to mid-90s was all of a sudden the biggest band on the planet, and you couldn't get tickets fast enough without the, sell, without the shows selling out. That's literally what it was. Mm-hmm. And 
you know, watching that and seeing how, you know, them go through the history of the band and how four guys who, you know, may not have liked each other at different time frames and, you know, four guys, even though two of them stayed together, probably didn't like each other during certain years, but stayed together anyway, can, could come together and bring that one force together and to coin a phrase from, from the video to conquer the world one more time is, is great. And it always makes me smile. If I'm going to be stranded on a deserted Island, you know, why not watch something that can always make me smile? And it's that video and watching footage from that tour and just remembering how much of a magical time that was. I, I mean, I wish that they would have done a full length, concert video documenting the reunion tour yeah. proper just one show whether it be from madison square garden on that tour or whether it be from tiger stadium even though tiger stadium wasn't the most perfect show but it was probably the show with the most historical significance so i really wish they would have done either the tiger stadium or one of those madison square garden shows and released that in a professional form yeah i know the madison square gardens on kissology but it's really just the feed from the video that's not a that's not a really concert video in my opinion you know it's it's atlanta atlanta is the one i think of atlanta is fantastic i wish they would have done that properly because it is it's great footage it's halfway there sure um so that's my pick so my that'd be my kiss video pick is second coming it there is great footage on there you know it's not like they ignore there i mean there are obviously parts of songs and parts of performances on there um but they document that whole tour and it's just the way the way that it's done it just made it always makes me feel proud to be a fan and just remembers great great memories of when my band became the band that all of a sudden everybody wanted to see that inspired little justin bieber to pick up a guitar right (laughs) (laughs) speaking of canada mark Okay, so mine's a audio pick. Now, I'm going to give you a little uh, preface on this uh, little warning for all you people out there. This this is going to involve a little bit of talk about narcotics, so I'm just warning you ahead of time. Um, back in about 2000, I was in one of my bands I was in for a long time, and we had a rehearsal studio that we frequented. It was like a 24 hours anytime you wanted to go in. You can do whatever you wanted kind of deal. And in there, there was like a lounge area and that had a stereo in there. So me and my singer slash bass player, we'd, we'd go there, jam. And after that, we'd sometimes just hang out. And uh, we got a knock on the door and one of our buddies came by. He's like, hey, man, I got some killer weed, dude. You guys in or what? And so we're like, oh, you know what? Okay, yeah. So he... We, sat down, rolled a couple of doobies and, you know, smoked out the whole lounge and listened to this record. And he's like, cause he saw it there sitting by the, by the turntable in the corner. He's like, Hey man, you ever heard this? And I was like, no, because you got to check this out, man. And that record was Genesis live. <laughs> the very first one from 72, I right. believe it is when they were touring for, um, nursery crime. No, not nursery. Uh, Foxtrot, sorry. And, uh, or, well, no, it probably was selling England by that time, but they only go up to, uh, Foxtrot on this record. Um, and I remember sitting on that sofa, you know, of course, you know, 
out of my tree, of course. But it just sounded so incredible listening to this. I was like, wow. Like just hearing, you know, watchers in the sky, watchers of the sky playing with this, you know, droning Mellotron at the beginning. And, you know, it's live too. So you have this crowd and it's like, it was like ear bleeding levels in the, in the lounge there. So you're like, you just felt like you were in this little hall listening to a concert. And it was just, I, I can't even describe it. It was like unbelievable, the feeling of listening to this record under those circumstances. Now, I'm not saying, you know, anybody out there, you know, go out and grab some dubs and listen to this record. But it's it's really one of those records that I think sometimes goes good with, you know, a few beers or maybe something like that. But I also listen to this absolutely stone cold straight, too. And it's still an incredible record, you know, high or sober, right? And it's definitely... A, a record where if you're on a desert island and we're walking down the beach and happen to come across some funny looking leaves, you know, growing there and decide to roll them up, you know, maybe this would be good to have with you to, to listen to when you decide to test out if they're uh, the kind of leaves you were hoping they were. Well, Mark's so, for, for, uh, promoting recreational drug use on the show. <laughs> I'm not promoting it. I'm just saying, though, that that's the circumstances in like which it, it was. It was a circumstance other, other in which I I heard it. So I, I was going to say, you know, if the album still sounds good when you're sober, um, it's it's usually a pretty good album that's because good. Yeah. Fortunately, I have no recollection of any illicit substances in my life. Um, <laughs> none whatsoever. Living in Singapore, of course. Um, I'm I'm gonna hop in with with a pick, and I I was thinking of what music has to be represented in my list, and my background obviously being English, with family mm. from Liverpool, mm. is a total giveaway, and I'm yes. gonna I'm gonna kind of shock you, but my pick for my Beatles album is gonna be the Capital Years, mm. uh, Volume One. Which are Meet the Beatles, the Beatles, Beatles second mm-hmm. album, something new in Beatles '65. So the very earliest Beatles material released in America. For all the Beatles shit that I listened to, you know, growing up and with those Liverpool connections and all that, it was only after we moved to America and started going to flea markets with a, a friend who was very much into the Beatles that I really experienced them. And it was all the American albums, the VJ stuff and these Capitol albums, which are really imprinted in my mind. And they sound vastly different. And obviously the track listings are very different from the albums that were released in Britain, totally different in many cases. And, you know, if I have to pick one Beatles album, it's going to be Abbey Road. But I'm going to go with the box set simply because it gives me all that early stuff, their covers, it's everything that was designed for the American market. Um, that gives me the broadest kind of painting up to 65 when they really become the fabulous band that they were because all that good old rock and roll, you know, it's the foundation on which everything else is really built, um, especially in America for the bands that were inspired by what they had seen and Ed Sullivan. And, you know, whenever we interview people, Kiss, you know, for example, we talk about the Ed Sullivan moment, and we're not referring to anything other than Beatles and their first appearance on American television. So, for me, i got to have some Beatles on the desert island, or I am just not going to be a happy camper, and I'll just Mm -hmm. uh, pony on up with a 
a big old box right there. All right. Bobby, he's, he's cheating again. Yeah. I, I, I know. <laughs> but it's his show. He can make the rules. Uh, it, it's not my topic, and there were no rules attached <laughs> yeah. to it. So well, it is Ken's topic, so Ken can call him out. So. Yeah. Next, I next, called him out the last next, time. Next time, I called Ken, him out the last time cheating. You know, you just got to have some parameters on there. or um, right. you know, That's right. That's I'm, true. I, I didn't I'm just going to say I'm going to bring my... You should have went for Kisteria as your favorite kiss. I'm, the bring, one kiss yeah, you know, I'm bringing my iPod. You know, it's got six... <laughs> right. You know, how many gigs of bootlegs on it? So, all right. So, yeah, with, all right. with my phone and it has everything on it. So. I know. Yeah, I've, there, there you go. Yeah. I've got, I've got one video pick left. Who still has a pick left? Uh, Ken? I have, well, I have a one video and one, one vinyl. Okay. Yeah, same so. here. Let's, uh, let's so get I'll, to you. I'll just do the, because I may cheat on my video picking too, but, um, uh, my last vinyl is, Gonna be like uh, like you know who or what? What are you listening to? Or so my last one is uh, is Neil Sedaka. Um, who? This this is yeah who? Oh who? Who he wrote? Okay, a little background for the people that don't know Neil Sedaka. He started out in the late fifties or sixties in the the Brill Building uh, where they with Neil Diamond, Carol King. Etc. He was one of those artists and uh, who wrote Morrison. songs for other people. Um, he wrote songs like, uh, uh, you know, uh, Calendar Girl back then were hits for him. Happy Birthday, Sweet Sixteen. He wrote Stupid Cupid for Connie Francis. He wrote uh, even Old Carol, which is about Carol King, um, and and uh, lots of hits back then. Um, so then when the Beatles came along. You know, around six, early '60s, he kind of disappeared um, and became more of a writer. He wrote songs for, you know, uh, Tom, Tom Jones, uh, a song for him, Puppet Man, um, uh, and other other artists. But then he he got a following in the late late '60s uh, and very early '70s with in England very much enjoyed his music and he was he produced some new albums at that time in England uh, until Elton John said hey you know you're doing pretty well there these albums are pretty good in England let's get try to get you back in the, in the United States and what they did is he signed Neil to the Rocket Record Company which is an Elton John uh, company and he, what they did is they grabbed uh, songs from like three of the releases in England and come and put the kind of the those songs on one album here in United States um, and and it's it's just a great great collection of songs. I mean, Ellen John even wrote on his you know back of his album about him being back, but songs like uh, you know Laughter in the Rain. You know, huge hit, solitaire, love will keep us together, which you know the captain Neil made a big, huge hit out of. But he's, you know, he wrote the darn thing. Um, just the whole thing is is a fantastic album, and I, I've I've been a huge Neil Sedaka fan, which is probably surprising. Um, since since then, I have you know pretty much all the stuff. Um, so that's that's the one and. 
the other thing about it is this i don't know if you heard about the immigrant the immigrant song it's the it's not the it's actually the immigrant but not the immigrant song like the van halen or not van halen, sorry Led zeppelin because immigrant song but neil's song is the immigrant which was dedicated to uh john lennon which at the time was having those you know they were trying to kick him out of the united states back then and that song was dedicated to him that was a hit too um so i just i just love the album sentimental to me and i can listen to it over and over you know that's the interesting thing when we talk to each other about music to get a you know a taste of everyone else's influences and the albums that are important to them you know, if if we're going to go into a bar with any Kiss fan and say, well, what are your non-Kiss albums? You know, you're going to get the Exoduses, the Testaments, yeah. the Judas Priests, and you're going to get some Carly Simons, Neil Sedakas, you know, and all that. You know, I, I don't know anything. I'm I'm behaving myself today and not typing on my keyboard and trying to Google <laughs> any of this stuff while we're taping this show because my mind... You know, it's, it's very hard because I could have easily picked a, a Rush album. Mm-hmm. You know, I love Rush. And, you know, or Blackfoot or Steve Miller Band, whatever. Yeah. It's so hard. When we're so trying difficult. to narrow it down and condense it, I mean, I could easily have had Johnny Cash at Folsom, you know, there, being, being one of my, yeah. my albums. It's 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 too easy. In that sense, that it's such a broad, you're going to be stuck on a desert island. You've got to have stuff that you can live with. Well, for, for as long as you live on a desert island, uh, which probably ain't going to be too long. So you know, that's a fantastic pick. And, you know, thank you for the backstory on that as well, because that, that makes it make more sense to someone who's just kind of sitting there jaw agape saying, who the fuck is Neil Sadaka? I've heard the name, but I can't pick a song. You know, I, Lonnie. Yeah. I'm going to go with video of, I'm going to go back to Guns N' Roses, and I'm going to go with, they released a compilation of all their videos called Welcome to the Videos. And they were always a, they they were huge, when they were at their peak when videos and MTV was at its absolute peak as well, in my opinion, when MTV still played videos. And Guns N' Roses put so much production into their videos um, and really took pride in them, and that's what really was part of their hype machine back in the day with what they did with Don't Cry and November Rain and Estranged, all the production of those three videos. And, and not only those, but those Appetite videos too with, with Jungle and Paradise City and Sweet Child of Mine. They're all great, great music videos, and all of them represent the band um, in those different eras, whether it be Appetite or the Illusion era. And I, 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 w- I was thinking about which guns. I, I knew I just, I knew I, I wanted to put a Guns N' Roses video in there, and there's there's some great footage. There's a great, um, vi- there's a great uh, concert from Japan in 92 that that's put out on two um, Use Your Illusion 1, Use Your Illusion 2 DVDs. And it's also heavy bootlegged. It's a professionally filmed show, and it's and it's and it's great. It really captures them um, at, at their peak. But I went with the video one just because of how much pride they took in their videos. And not only that, but I remember going back, and the nostalgia factor really kicks in with Guns N' Roses for me because I remember being a kid sitting around watching MTV all day, waiting for those videos to come on. 
And then in 92, not only, you know, you'd have November Rain come out as a video in summer of 92, but you also had, like, I Just Wanna was a video in 92, and I think I'm just professionally 12 or 13 years old and stopped maturing in the summer of 92 as well. So um, that's just it for me. I, I, I really and I really enjoyed their videos, and if I'm stuck on Desert Island and I got a nice TV to watch these videos on, I'm definitely going to go with that. There's no doubt about it because all their, all their videos hold a, a special place for me. Nice. Mark? Okay, so I'll make this quick with this one, but this is going to be my video pick, my last one. And of course, I haven't picked a Kiss thing yet for a video. So if I'm going to take a Kiss video with me, and Lonnie picked a really good one with the uh, second coming. I thought that's a really excellent one. I really enjoy watching that one as well. It's a really top-notch like, bio- like documentary of the uh, tour. Just makes there. you happy. Yeah, I love watching that. It's incredible. <clears throat> I love the, them showing all the different cities and stuff like that. I've always been big about travel and stuff, so I love that too. Um, what I would pick, though, is I remember back, I'm a big reader of the Classic Rock magazine, and back in the day, I used to always go back and look at the reviews of the new releases and stuff like that, and I remember back then, they had a five-star review for this DVD that came out. They were just talking it to the nine, saying, this is the greatest thing that came out. I can't believe it. Where Where has this been so long? You know, we've been waiting as fans for this, and I'm talking about Kissology 1, of course. And that, to me, is my favorite Kiss video. I love watching this. I love the concerts on this. I love the Kobo concert. I love the Japanese rock and roll over stuff. And I love the Love Gun show that they have. I mean, it has, from every bit that they show here, like the Hotter Than Hell show, which is the Winterland one, I love that show. Every show that they put on here, I thought, is really well done. And I love that they put the Cadillac stuff on there as well. Because it's something that, mm-hmm. up until that point, I had no idea about because I wasn't really that deep into the Kiss minutia then when I first got into the Kiss stuff. So this, to me, opened my eyes on a lot of stuff, right? I already knew about the Winterland stuff, but I, I hadn't seen the Japanese rock and roll over stuff at that point. I had the live show, but, you know, still having all of this on one collection like this was such a great thing to have, you know, and... I, I was so happy to, to get it. And, you know, and, and it's one of those things that, you know, if you're going to be stuck on a desert island with Kiss stuff for video, I would think that this would be something really good to have because, again, it go, takes you through so many periods of their career. And it's really the, the good periods, I think. You know, I, I, lo- I love lots of their other stuff, too. Like Creatures is one of my favorite records from them. But, you know, we all know that their, that tour wasn't exactly the greatest. But, you know, still... I mean, if you're going to want to watch some of their live stuff, I would think that this would carry, would take you through a lot of the good stuff, you know, and I enjoy watching it. And uh, I think my copy of this had the uh, Madison Square Garden extra video stuff on here, I think. Yeah. The, the little you weren't small. a sucker and just bought it three times? No, although I tried to find the other ones, and for some reason it was hard to find the other ones here, so... but. You know, I, I I ended up with the Madison Square Garden uh, extra video, which is pretty cool. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I, I really like this uh, package. I think it's good, and I think it's a good representation of the band and would be, uh, 
enjoyable thing on a desert island, straight or high. So I got I got to jump in here with my final video pick, which just happened to be the exact same thing <laughs> for <laughs> for pretty much the exact same reasons. And you know what? I've I've got uh, Winterland in better quality. I've got the Summit in better quality, Budokan in better quality. But having it all on one package, officially officially released by the band, um, along with the promo clips, just having it all in one place. Midnight Special, again, you're missing stuff. Um, Kobo is fantastic. You know, I, I got all three when, when they came out. And oh, yeah. didn't one have Largo, 77? Mm-hmm. Because... Uh, yeah. I, I can't remember. No, so, it has Largo 79. No, 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 Largo, no. Largo 79 is on Kissology 2. Largo 77 is on Kissology 1. Yeah. God, so, I'm a nerd. Oh. So, no. so yes, because look it up. because I'm not going to look anything up and type on my keyboard today. Uh, <laughs> you know, I, I can't remember. Um, but you know what? Just having that classic era packaged into one, you know, package. You know, you, you simply cannot go wrong with that. <laughs> Plus, it does not have. You know, it's, it's it's better than the other two volumes, even though Coventry's on volume three. You know, you don't have to put up with the Phantom, and that to me is, you know, all the more reason that it should be repackaged up in a regular DVD case on Blu-ray, perhaps. Mm-hmm. Even though it's not going to make any difference whatsoever because of the source material, you know, it's about time they put this all this stuff back out again. Maybe with one extra show just to make us buy it because it, yeah, wasn't on the original one. So okay, good, yeah. Good. I just you, want to say you looked it up. That was my, that was my number one video too, or the one kiss video is the uh, Cassology one. So three, three yeah, of three, us had that. Three out of four. Um, but yeah, it goes to the summit. Um, seventy-seven. Oh. Um, there's no. Uh, the Largo one is still a bootleg, considered a yeah, bootleg. Yeah, I guess it is. I uh, the it. 77, I have that as a separate. I have it, yeah. Yeah, bootleg. Uh, but yeah, you're right. The, uh, um, the, Largo 79 is uh, on two. No. Yeah, the 79 Wal- is on, on the, number two. The, the Walmart edition had Largo 77. And ah! And that was the one. So I, I just typed. Oh, but it, yes. did they put the full show yes. on it? Um, it was one of the, it was one? it was twelve songs from it, so it was one of the best that, excerpts that oh, was actually good, used for bonus materials. And you know, I can't remember because obviously, you know, so many of us were collectors had this stuff before it came out, or had the but, full yeah. ones very soon after it came out. So, you know, it's the classic era of Kiss through '77. What else do you need, really? I mean, mm-hmm. I, mm-hmm. I certainly don't want Dynasty tour. I, I don't want that Madison Square Garden bonus disc. I got rid of mine because yeah. it was just so chopped up and you've got the original bootlegs, you know, many of which look far better for my eyes and ears with the stuff that was done by fans. You know, as a video, if I had to, you know, pick a single package that wasn't a compilation like Kissology, then I would have gone with Exposed because that was my first video I ever bought. And as campy and as corny as it was, I liked the fantasy land that they were kind of presenting in a cornball way. If only Kiss was like what was presented on Exposed. Right. right. Living each other's house, ha- live, live together and <laughs> everything's just 
singing Kumbaya. Happy. Yep. Right. Yeah. With a chimp and a hot chick in a sauna. I mean, what the hell else do you need in life? <laughs> what else do you want? So the thing I mostly listen, you know, I haven't talked about it otherwise. You guys pretty much said everything, but I would say Winterland is always the go-to for me on this. Uh, I just love that. Even you know, black and white it just gives it some something yeah. different, you know, it's like gritty, um, and uh, and it's so raw, you know, in their raw form back then. Um, and actually, you know, they were pretty. They were. They were rocking it pretty good, and they were a tight band uh, at that point. And uh, you could see why then, you know, not too long after Alive turned out so great, you know, they were just hitting a, a, a kind of a hungry prime um, at that time, and it was great. Come on, Peter Chris in Winterland? Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, my God. Oh, my best. God. I mean, yeah. Great. You know, into Alive. I mean, yeah. you listen to the foundations of what make what made Kiss a band that could be around 45 years later. You've got Peter Chris on fire. We're, we're not going to say he's spectacular, but he's absolutely perfect at what he's doing for that music at the time. Ace Frehley, absolutely perfect at what he's doing for that music at the time. Paul Stanley, the same. Gene Simmons, listen to those bass lines that he's doing live. You know, the guy doesn't try and be anything more than he is, but what he is, he does very well. And and that is what is the magic that is Kiss to me. You know, it's all wrapped up in Winterland. But, you know, through the Largo <clears throat> 77 show where it's kind of the wheel, right before the wheels fall off, yeah. it's, you know, just, just a fantastic Kiss package. Did we skip anyone's picks or did everyone get their three by three? I just had one I'm album it. left. That's it. You've got one album Mark. left, Mark. That's it. Yeah. The final word goes to you. Okay. So. Destroyer. Nope. <laughs> See, froze up. Made him. Now he's freezing up. Made him freeze. Canadian Wi-Fi. Oh. Am I unfrozen? No. You're, okay. you're, you're you are good to proceed. Engage. Okay. So this album, I'll make it quick was another one of those records that was highly impactful for me. And it's a record that's the debut record of this band. And to me, just like Kiss's first record, which I thought was an incredible debut record, one of the best debuts that a band has made, in my opinion. Anvil. This to me... No. This this to me is a, is a record that I don't think that they surpassed until many, many years later. It took a while to surpass this. And that's King Crimson's In the Court of the Crimson King. Now, I love this album. This is the reissue 200-gram version of it that came out. And the reason why I got this version of it was because I remember reading a good article that Robert Fripp did. He's, he's one of these guys that does his blogs online. And he said that for years and years, the pressings of these records, the early ones, had a fault. There's a phasing glitch in the the pressing of it. He said that none of those early ones sound correct to his ears and that he had in his, in his possession a safety backup of this on quarter inch that's perfect. And finally, mm-hmm. when Stephen Wilson redid all those records for them, he allowed them to take that one and press this record. So he said, if you want a perfect version of this record, how it should be, you've got to get the newest version of it 
on this 200 gram vinyl because that's right from his safety master that he had in his possession all those that's years. Cool. So this album, I know a lot of people probably know a lot of this. I mean, you know, 21st century schizoid man, who doesn't know that song, right? So to me, I would love to bring this on a desert island because again, it's another one of these proggy delights that I enjoy listening to. And it's just really well written and it sounds incredibly good for a record that came out in 1969. It's unbelievable. That just sounds like something that, you know, he had spoken to Gene Simmons beforehand and said that you haven't actually heard the unfazed corrected version of this album until you buy this latest version. (laughs) (laughs) Very Gene Simmons. Well, I mean, it sounds great, though. I mean, I, I have an early pressing of it, and there is a there is a noticeable difference. Well, I'll take your word. I've never heard that album, so... Really. All right, guys. That is, I think, a show. Um, these were our Desert Island Discs. Three videos, three albums, or collections. Only one was allowed to include Kiss. So if you were going to be stranded on an island... What three of each format would you take with you or insist on having with you before you're thrown off onto that sandy beach to live on coconuts and iguanas? And as you can tell from all of us, they all have backstories that are very personal or very important to each one of us. We'd love to hear yours. So wherever you listen to us, wherever you participate in the conversation, whether it's on YouTube, whether it's on Spreaker, on the FAQ message board, or on Facebook, um, chime in. What are your Desert Island picks? And make sure you include one KISS album and one KISS video in your picks. But for now, from Mark, from Ken, from Lonnie and myself, we thank you for listening, and we will see you next time. Thank you for spending time listening to the KISS FAQ podcast today. All sales are final. There are no refunds. If you'd like, look us up on Facebook or come over to the KISS FAQ message board and discuss the topic we broadcast today. Don't forget to rate us on iTunes, Spreaker, or wherever you've listened to the show. We hope you'll join us again. Thank you.